Welcome to the Neurotransmitters, a podcast about everything neurology with the goal of reducing your neurophobia. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Kentris, and today we are joined by a special guest, Dr. Rishanki Ja. Hello, everyone. Dr. Ja, thank you for coming on. We had an interesting case a little while back, and I know one of the things we've talked about on the show before is talking about some case reports. So if you would do us the honors of kind of leading us into it and walking us through this case. Absolutely, Dr. Kendras. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. I am a PGY2 resident in internal medicine, and I have had the opportunity of seeing some pretty interesting cases with Dr. Kendras here. So the case I'm going to be discussing about, he is very healthy and he presents with a near syncopal event. And this is followed by a period of memory loss. So our patient turns out that he is an endurance runner and he had recently started following this YouTube guru called Wim Hof. And he follows this, uh, this technique called as the Wim Hof method, uh, which, is, which are these techniques to increase the body's vagal tone. So the story is that the night before admission, he developed hiccups like one does. Um, he tried several maneuvers, including holding his breath that are very similar to like a Valsalva technique, if you will. And right after that, he had a near syncopal event. He dropped to his knee. Um, he did not really come back up pretty quickly. So he ended up calling his wife to get the EMS. He went to the ER. And at this point, um, the primary concern was ruling out a stroke. Now, uh, the imaging findings, uh, the CAT scan, MRIs, were actually negative for any kind of stroke. However, uh, there was a certain development in the patient's uh, symptomology. For the next 12 hours after being admitted, he kept asking repetitive questions, including, when did you arrive? Or did I do something wrong? After receiving the answer to the same, he would repeat those questions back in the next hour or so. His family was pretty worried. They thought that he was having some kind of memory loss. The pattern that we're seeing is a, uh, the pattern of an enterograde memory loss. This went on for about 12 hours, after which the patient did recover and went back to his normal mental state. Now, the last 12 hours, he did not recall much of what was happening, all the questions he was asking, and it was only kind of told to us, or reiterated by his wife and some of his family members. Now, the, the imaging findings were pretty interesting, especially the CT perfusion images. They did show that there was a small area with a Tmax of more than six seconds, which shows an area of hypoperfusion which was kind of located in the left temporal region. There was also an area with less than 30% CBF that relates to like an ischemic core. And the penumbra was calculated to be about 8 cc's. Now, the location is in the left temporal region, pretty close to where we consider the hippocampus to be. This patient, basically, uh, I'm going to be presenting this case at several different places, and I call it hiccups in a 12-hour-long memory black hole. Uh, because uh, because the last 12 hours were pretty much a black hole in his memory that he recalled nothing of. The imaging findings were pretty consistent with what we see in transient global amnesia, and uh, that's pretty much what our case was. Yeah, clinically, uh, his symptoms fit pretty well, and 
you know, fortunately on the MRI, there was no, no evidence of ischemic stroke. Correct. Which is good, especially in a man as young as he was. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about uh, transient global amnesia, if you'd be so kind. So transient global amnesia, it's a reversible condition, which is, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Usually the patients uh, will have a period of anterograde amnesia, um, and the inciting factors are sometimes hypoperfusion, sometimes low blood pressure, valsalva maneuvers. Um, the pathophysiology behind it, there have been multiple different etiologies that's been considered, but none really confirmed so far. Um, we have considered arterial ischemias, we've considered venous insufficiencies, even like a migrainous or epileptiform foci, but none of them really have been proven to be uh, the cause behind it. The important thing is the patient uh, still remains uh, oriented to self and after the end of this usually 12 to 24 hour period, they go back to their complete mental state without any uh, change in their orientation or uh, any neurological function. Their neurological exam is usually completely normal. And I think that uh, that point with remaining oriented to self is important because that is actually something that we'll see sometimes in functional or psychologic disorders where you have that uh, loss of autobiographical data. Right. But our patient was, you know, he completely fit the picture in that he knew who he was. But these questions kind of kept coming back uh, within this 12-hour period. So tell us a little bit more about this perfusion study. I know you mentioned things like penumbra, right, which we typically, you know, I, I'm a big linguistic fan. But uh, basically referring to like umbra, the shadow, so kind of the, the shadow of the stroke is how I think of it. Absolutely. I love that. I love yes. that correlation. Um, usually we use these terms um, to understand stroke, uh, let's say ischemic strokes. So when we're looking at the blood flow, uh, we calculate an area of, uh, we know there's something called a cerebral blood flow. So an area that's getting less than 30% um, of the usual cerebral blood flow, that is an area that we kind of correlate with a core infarct. Another term we use is Tmax. Um, Tmax of more than six seconds, so the area that corresponds to that usually means an area of hypoperfusion. Now you got these two areas, which is the total hypoperfusion area and a core infarct, which is within it. So basically, if I subtracted one from the other, mm -hmm. the remaining area is going to be the penumbra. Right, and that's kind of what some of these, um, these AI protocols are based off of is calculating this information, making it readily available to clinicians like in an acute ischemic stroke and, and that sort of situation, right? Absolutely, because that's what is important for us to know because the penumbra is your area that's salvageable and we want to know the core infarct because that's your non-salvageable area. Right, and not necessarily related to this case, but you know, there as uh, Praveen and I have mentioned previously on one of these recordings, there may be that trend towards tailoring, you know, moving more away from like a strict time limit and more towards a imaging functional capacity type of paradigm for acute stroke. Mm. But uh, for this guy, so you mentioned Wim, the Wim Hof method, which I, I had encountered actually uh, a couple years ago in my research uh, on seizures as there were some reports. But uh, tell me what you learned when you were researching this case about, about Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method. Well, the Wim Hof 
the person sounds like a very interesting person. Um, he has um, a very big following. He is a YouTube guru. He has these techniques which include cold immersion techniques as well as wiggle maneuvers. And his ideology is that by increasing your body's wiggle tone, you'll live a better, healthier life. And they kind of use the term superhuman quite often. Yeah, like I'll include some links in the show notes, but there are some, there's a very interesting documentary showing him and some of his followers hiking through like mountain passes in their underwear and swimming through frozen rivers. Uh, quite remarkable feats of endurance. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure Wim Hof himself has set many world records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in one of those feats. Right. I don't remember. I think it was, he swam. Uh, some body of water. I can't recall exactly what it is, I'm afraid. Hey, everybody. Michael from the future here. Uh, Wim Hof actually has multiple previous world records related to uh, swimming under ice, uh, times with half marathons barefoot on ice and snow, uh, climbing Mount Everest wearing nothing but shorts and shoes to a height of 7,400 meters. So essentially multiple events related to his ability to endure uh, extreme temperatures. But it, it kind of is interesting because, you know, we do know that um, that increased vagal tone could theoretically put you at more risk for uh, transient global amnesia. Absolutely. Um, like I, I've had patients who have had it after, you know, maybe being constipated and straining mm -hmm. or even people uh, after coitus mm -hmm. have had an episode, which, as you can imagine for their partner, was quite unnerving. Um, so, I have a feeling yeah. there are case reports on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there are. It's out there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I hadn't encountered this particular breathing technique as, as a potential precipitant. So I thought it was kind of just a little interesting story. Yeah. When we began our conversation um, with the patient, the story about the hiccups uh, happened much later. And then he told us about all these techniques that he's used to doing, and that took us to Wim Hof Method, which the patient was very enthusiastic about. And yeah, that kind been, of... He'd been going after it pretty pretty aggressively yeah. in terms of uh, his training, outside of even the Wim Hof. Like you mentioned earlier, the endurance running, uh, physical training, very fit individual. Yeah. So after we've made this diagnosis in an individual, right, we have this sort of repetitive goldfish-esque type of memory episode. We don't find any evidence of seizures or stroke on MRI. How do we, how do we typically manage these folks? So um, the management is pretty straightforward uh, because you do consider this as, if not a stroke, there is some imaging evidence of uh, low blood flow or hypoperfusion. You don't want these episodes to repeat and uh, you would usually send these patients with a baby aspirin. So 81 milligrams of aspirin mm -hmm. taken daily. And of course, with advice about not to overdo the techniques, the vasovagal maneuvers, because if he continues to do them, there is a possibility of repeat. Right. So there are some uh, case series showing uh, a small percentage of these patients can have recurrence, although it's typically thought to be kind of a one and done type situation. And that is that's an excellent point is that if we are having recurrent episodes of quote-unquote TGA, then it really should make you question if you have the right diagnosis to begin with. You know, maybe there were seizures that weren't captured. We know the routine EEG sensitivity is only about 50%, give or take. Right. So, so yeah, always got to make sure you don't anchor to your initial diagnosis too hard if the clinical picture evolves and doesn't really bear up to scrutiny down the road. 
So Rishaki, where can people find you online? And do you have anything that you would like to plug today? Oh, absolutely. Uh, thank you for the <laughs> opportunity. Um, well, I am on Twitter. Uh, and my Twitter ID is at uh, Rishanki underscore J. That's R-I-S-H-A-N-K-I underscore J. J as in judge. And we'll, we'll include that uh, a link in the notes there. Thank you. And yes, I do have a book that I wrote a couple years back. One of my interests is uh, poetry. Uh, and this was way back when I had just finished medical school. Um, and I did do my med medical school in India. So that was right after that. Um, and the book is called uh, Modern Miseries and My Bottle of Cough Syrup. So if you're interested in poetry, it's available on Amazon as well as Barnes & Noble. Very excellent. Who is your favorite poet? Oh my God, that is so difficult. <laughs> it's like asking a mother to choose between his children. She can't do that. Fair enough. Well, Dr. Jha, thank you again for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss this interesting case with us, and hopefully our listeners also found it interesting. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kentris, for having me. It was a really great experience. I'm glad to hear that. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please subscribe and share for future episodes. You can also reach me on Twitter at Dr. Kentris, that's D-R-K-E-N-T-R-I-S, or by email at the Neurotransmitters Podcast at gmail.com. See you all next time. <laughs>